0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to Radio Play Revival, live for the first time from St. Louis, Missouri at the New Jewish Theater. 18-year-old Carver Washington wrestles between going off to college and pursuing his dreams and staying at home to take care of his kid sister Paris and his wheelchair-bound grandmother, Medeer. Groundswell Theatricals and Josh Johnston present a Radio Play Revival production and world premiere of The Bee Play by Elizabeth Savage. Starring, in order of speaking, John Skelly reading pre-recorded stage directions, Miles Brenton as Carver Washington, Riley Carter-Adams as Paris France Washington, Marjorie A. Handy as Medeer, and Ellie Schwetty as Devorah.
3: Yeah. So delighted you all are here with us tonight for this world premiere production. Please do note that we have um, some recording devices down here. We have a podcast with us, Radio Play Revival, that is recording tonight's performance and is going to turn it into a podcast that you will be able to to hear and revisit this production in the future. That's all I have for you tonight. Thank you all so much for being here and enjoy the Bee Play.
4: Grand Concourse Avenue. The Bronx. Late Spring. Act One. A collection of beehives line the far edge of the tar roof. The beekeeper removes his mask, revealing Carver, 18, lanky, with round wire-rimmed glasses.
5: The first thing, it was the late great Albert Einstein. Actually, the real first thing, ignore my grandmother, Okay. Right. It was the late great Albert Einstein, who, all due respect, was definitely a scientific genius, but not an apologist, who said, if the bee disappears from the surface of the Earth, man will have no more than four years to live. I mean, it's somewhat disputed who did actually say it, but for now, let's just believe it was him. I mean, what? This was the time of the Holocaust and Hiroshima, things way bigger than bees. Why bring it up when there were such clear and obvious threats to humanity? Good question. Why focus on an extinction that was seemingly anything but imminent? Well, I would argue that Einstein was just ahead of the game. He saw the perilousness of us taking for granted these complex inner workings of nature, or more precisely, taking for granted those inner workings and messing with it. Bees. That's why I'm here. Bees, these ancient transformers of nature, these sacred insects, they're everywhere. Throughout time, across cultures, all these hives, they knew. Shakespeare, even Tolstoy couldn't get over bees, but the crisis at hand, bees are dying and nobody knows why. And not only does no one seem to know why, but not many seem to care. They'll care all right though, soon enough. The working title for this apian Armageddon, this silent calamity, Colony Collapse Disorder.
4: Paris, France. His sister, aged eight, peeks out of the door which leads to the stairwell below.
5: Bees are simply not returning to the hive. Or if they do, they're sick and deformed and will die. Their migratory patterns have mysteriously changed. Bees, it seems, have taken a fatally wrong turn. And that, that, my friends, is very bad news indeed. But why?
0: Medea says Jesus, now.
5: tell her no. Uh, I'm working on something.
0: She said, "Tell Carver no more science experiments."
5: She did not. That's not even a word. I'll be down when I'm done and ready.
0: She did say it, except with cuss words.
5: You tell her I'm not hungry. She is. Then, then tell her to make something herself.
0: You know she can't.
5: Then you make her something. You're old enough.
0: I'm not. I hate you. Please! See? Now
5: she's mad. One last thing. I just found this. It's from a poet named Melos, is how I think you say it. On the day the world ends, a bee circles a clover. A fisherman mends a glimmering net. Happy porpoises jump in the sea. By the rain spout, young sparrows are playing, and the snake is gold-skinned as it should always be and those who expected lightning and thunder are disappointed. And to those who expected signs and archangels trumps do not believe it is happening now. As long as the sun and the moon are above, as long as a bumblebee visits a rose, as long as rosy infants are born, no one believes it is happening now. Only a white-haired old man, who would be a prophet, yet is not a prophet, for he's much too busy, repeats while he binds his tomatoes. There will be no other end of the world. There will be no other end of the world.
4: The Washington apartment. The place is run down. The sparse attempts at decoration only make it sorrier. Madir sits in a wheelchair center, watching the Food Channel.
1: Did not slam that goddamn door Carver. They're like you're better than everybody. It's 5:30 already and my sugar's dropping. I could die right here, then what would you do? Parents say grace.
0: Dear God, thank you for my food, even though you know I don't like hot dogs. Amen.
1: Don't be fresh and do it right on no TV.
0: But I did do it right. My teacher said God knows and sees everything we do, so he would have known I was lying.
5: Your teacher is talking about God? That's illegal.
1: Nobody's eating without saying goddamn grace. And <laughs> you, Pam Sprance Washington, will thank the good, great Lord if it kills you.
0: Dear God, sorry to bother you, but I've got to say grace again. But I guess you know that. Thank you for my food and please make all my dreams and prayers come true. Please make me a famous dance star millionaire with a horse and a dog and a plane. in a- My hot dog's
1: green. Eat around that pot (laughs) then.
5: Did any mail come for me? My
0: nose itches.
5: Itch it then.
0: Can you hear my nose clicking? I think I'm allergic to hot dogs.
5: Don't be dumb, it's cause it's spring. Was it mail? Don't call your sister names. Tell me something you learned
1: today, little girl.
5: If you eat some of my honey, local honey- I'm in
0: cursive and spelling in science.
5: It'll help your allergies. Go on, Paris.
0: I practiced peas and cursive for my name. I learned to spell Mississippi and got every question about volcanoes Ms. Russell asked right. In science, we swung around buckets of water for centrifugal force.
5: Centrifugal force. Whatever. You don't know. Yeah, I do actually, a force You're a
1: centrifugal force! What? Don't upset your sister. Yeah, don't upset me.
5: Forget it, I'm going to see if there's mail.
1: But you haven't been excused. You will sit here with us and eat like a real family. Set an example for your
5: sister. Okay, ask me something about what I learned today. Lord knows what you do up there. I'll tell you, I'm doing research, that's what I'm doing and it's important. Oh yeah? To who? To me, to the bees, to the human race. Oh Lord, here we go. Tell us then, Mr. Human Race. Okay, did you know that bees can differentiate between colors except for red? They can't see red. I did an experiment about it today.
1: Well, call (laughs) 911.
5: Or did you know that that bees can recognize and distinguish between human faces. Did you know that? Or, or how about that when bees die, there are special workers that are undertaking as an extended job. God, will you shut up? I'm trying to explain something important. You shut up, faggot. Don't you ever
0: use that
1: language in my house?
0: You hear? Look, he Everybody says it. Wayne and Eddie and all the guys hanging out. They say your brother's a faggot with this faggot bee, and he sits up there on the roof of plays with himself.
4: He exits. Once safely gone, Madeer pulls out an unopened envelope tucked in her wheelchair. She carefully opens and reads it. She quickly hides it again and turns on the food channel. Back on the roof.
5: There's this place in Kansas, Washburn University. It has a department just devoted to aviology. Can you imagine? A degree in bees. I've looked them all up, these schools, but. This one gives a lot in scholarship or whatever. Probably because it's Kansas and boring, but I don't know. I want to go there, even if it's boring. Because it's boring. I thought it all out. It's about 19 hours by bus. I could work out my class schedule so that I could come back and check up on everyone, make sure Paris is doing their homework, not getting in trouble or whatever. And I could do the food shopping and drugstore from a deer maybe like twice a month. Everything would be fine.
4: He walks around his hives, inspecting them.
5: Here's something you might not know. And this is fascinating. The haplodiploid sex determination system. It's what determines the sex of a bee. Well, actually, let's back up and start with humans. We, like basically all mammals, develop from an egg and a sperm. Plain and simple. You have two sets of chromosomes, one set from the egg, the other from the sperm. So what about bees, which are not mammals? Female bees are diploid like us, but males, this is where it gets crazy. A guy bee develops from an unfertilized egg. No sperm needed. This means a wild thing. A male bee has no father and can have no sons, but he does have a grandfather and will have grandchildren. He has no immediate past. He has no immediate future. Males have a non-negotiable gap between generations.
4: A shadowed figure appears behind him.
5: Mind-blowing, right? BOOM! Mind-blown! You just about gave me a heart attack.
3: Sorry, Karvala. I know your grandmother likes to use the national foghorn alert system, but I thought I'd mix it up and surprise you.
5: She loves that friggin' thing. Of
3: course door was open.
5: Yeah, that door never closes.
3: So, how is life in VLAN, Bubby?
5: Dunno. Good, I guess. Bubby?
3: Yiddish, it's a compliment, I promise. What's the face? Something happened? The genocide got you down again?
5: I I was just thinking about the haplodiploid sex determination system.
3: Ugh, if I had a nickel. (laughs) (laughs) Huh? Nothing. Uh, You were talking about the trapezoidal sex position. Go on.
5: The haplodiploid sex determination system. It just made me feel sad.
3: I have no idea what you're talking about.
5: Doesn't matter. Do you worry about your hives ever? Like, someone coming up and trashing stuff?
3: I don't know, no, maybe. There's sketchy shit on my block, but it's like crackheads. Crackheads don't care about beehives. I wouldn't worry, why?
5: Just get nervous uh, sometimes, that's all. I think you just start with me, maybe. <laughs>
3: It's hilarious that you're such a wuss.
5: I am not a wuss.
3: Kidding? God, you're so sensitive.
5: And what's funny about that?
3: It's funny because it's just unexpected, is all. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess if I saw you on the street, I would assume, or I wouldn't assume that. Just that my first thought would be, look at this gentle, earnest, Jewishish beekeeper who's obsessed with nerd haploid sex, whatever, and bee genocide.
5: I'm more a uh, second thought kind of person, I guess.
3: Here, I brought you this. What is it? Well, you probably read it already, knowing you, but um, it's this amazing book about the everything.
5: Wow, it's heavy. From Aristeas to the modern urban apiary, beekeeping through the ages. Sounds comprehensive, no, I haven't.
3: Awesome, I thought you'd like it.
1: It's
5: beautiful. Look at these
3: pictures. Yeah, and just wait till you get to the nerd science parts. It's very you. Thanks.
5: I mean, not the nerd part. Thanks for this.
3: That's why. Yeah. Have you heard from that school in Kansas yet?
5: Nope.
3: It's early. I remember. My acceptance letter took like a month longer than everybody. It was torture.
5: Yeah. They said I'd hear this week. It's whatever. No big deal. Don't want to jinx it.
3: Okay. I mean, seems like a pretty cool thing if it happens, but you know, no jinxes. Are you selling at the market tomorrow?
5: Yeah, I think so. I got a whole case of this honey I just did. I have to take my sister to a final dance rehearsal thing, but I think I can. You?
3: Yep, we'll be there. My whole house is going. We've got a fresh batch of pickles and cheese and stuff. Actually, what am I doing? I have to go. I was so excited to give you that book, but I've got this NBC thing. NBC? <laughs> no, NVC, nonviolent communication. It's like this whole thing my house does. What is it? Um, It's like this whole approach to compassionate communication, if that makes sense.
5: Kind of?
3: <laughs> Trust me, if you live in a house full of people, you need it. It's a big part of making an intentional community work. <laughs> intentional community, so. I'm living accidentally? (laughs) Of course not, it's it's just a way of saying living with others cooperatively.
5: You are into some serious hippie shit. My
3: parents were hippies. I'm post the peace and free love stuff. I'm not some like free love, dropping acid all day hippie. I want to live consciously, collectively, grow my own food, uh, consume less, listen more, save the planet, raise people up, make a difference. The way that we all live now in our separate little pod lives without community and support, it's not sustainable.
5: Ugh, it's not sustainable how much people say sustainable.
3: I'm telling you, people lived for thousands of years in community and it was layered, dynamic. We live this weird, transient IKEA existence now. Everything is disposable, people, stuff, all of it. I'm telling you, people are dying of loneliness. It's not how we're meant to live.
5: So you're not hippie house. Uh, You guys share everything?
3: Yeah, I mean, we don't pool income, but we share other things.
5: Sounds pretty commune to me. We
3: share value. It's the future, I'm telling you.
5: Ah, she never stops. I gotta go in.
3: Yeah, I gotta go anyway.
5: Thanks for the book. It was really nice of you.
3: I hope it helps your research.
5: I'm sure it will.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Great.
5: Great. Catch at the market. Yep. See you there.
4: <laughs> Paris's room. Later.
0: Dear God, please take care of my family. Please heal me, dear, and help her to cuss less, and make her okay to walk again so that way she can dance with me. I'm a really good dancer, Lord, but you know that. I'm a good speller too, but definitely I'm a really good dancer, and make us have lots of money so we can have a big new apartment with at least two bathrooms. Actually, a house, actually a castle, not a house, in the forest with a barn and a horse, And. Make Harper not so sad, and make him never leave home until I do. Then he can do whatever, but not until I'm grown. Parents, Get in here! Hold on! I am (laughs) praying! So anyway, that's it, God. Medeer needs my help. I've got this big recital Sunday, and I'm pretty sure I'll do good on my own, but... If you're around and not busy, you know, you could just make sure I'm doing good. Amen.
4: Madeira is sitting in her wheelchair.
1: Car, where are you? I know you can hear me. My sugar's dropping. I feel dizzy. My legs are all swelled up again. These damn hands. And they ain't numb. The burning never goes away, you understand? Of course you don't. You don't even know to know when you're young. Scripture says, stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect to the elderly and reveal your God. I am the Lord. When I was a little girl, you did what you was told. None of this running off your mouth. You honored your elders, you understand? You had manners, you had respect. Folks knew their neighbors when I was a little girl. And anyone knew your parents and saw you doing wrong, but if you were whooping too, there was consequences. All these wild children with their fresh mouths, girls walking around with their everything hanging out, boys with their pants hanging down, walking around with them beepers and them walkie-talkie phones like they something poor, sick to look at. What is this world? Who are these children? Never looking up from the damn phone, never looking in the eye. When I hear on the TV that someone was hit by a car because they were looking down at that damn screen and standing in the street, I think, good, you've been naturally selected. When I was a little girl, we went to church. We believed in God. What do these children believe in today? Where has God gone? cop where are you? Living in a dreamland, that's where you are. Up on that damn roof. These. Afraid of everything, knows better than anybody. You're gonna leave us all behind. I'm not a well woman, Carver. I need you. You can't go first, your mama. Now you? I could die right here, then what? What's your little sister gonna do? Who's gonna protect her, Carver? Where are you?
4: Morning. Sunshine floods the apartment. Carver bolts up and takes in the surroundings, realizing it was a dream.
0: You wake?
1: No. <sighs>
0: Come on, I heard you making noise. I'm hungry for breakfast. Carver, I am serious. I need some peanut snack cereal, or I'm gonna die. I am not kidding you. The police is going to come and I'm going to be dead on the floor in my dancing costume and then you'll go to jail because you didn't give me honey smacks.
5: The police are going to come, Paris, not is going to come. And you're going to die from honey smacks. All sugar shit is poison. Do not
0: cuss. God is listening. You are going to go to A.P.L.L. Okay,
5: okay, quiet down. What are you wearing? It's seven in the morning.
0: It's my dancing costume. I have to wear it all the time just to get used to it.
5: Okay, crazy. go on. Let me get some clothes on.
0: I'm gonna count to 30, and then you better be ready. One, two, three. 29, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, 30. You better be ready, cause I'm coming.
4: Paris enters with cassette player. Madeir and Carver
1: enter. Look at those sister Very nice little girl. You should be on one of them talent shows.
0: I'm going to be once I've grown enough. I already decided.
1: <laughs> they won't know what hit'. them. You've got a gift from God.
0: I am going to be really famous. <laughs> That's right,
1: you are. And ain't no one shines brighter than Paris, France, Washington. Isn't
5: that right, Papa? Borderline radioactive.
0: What's radioactive?
5: It just means you're a good dancer, it's all, Paris. Come on and eat some breakfast. I'm gonna go upstairs quick before we go. You want anything? I'll have my
1: regular roll and cheese later. I'm not ready.
5: What's your sugar? You should really bury what you're eating. And aren't you supposed to eat first thing?
1: I know what I'm doing, Carver. Thank you very
5: much. Okay, whatever. I'll be back.
4: Carver is back on the roof.
5: Holland. From the Latin, meaning fine flower. Not flower as in a rose, but flower like the kind you bake with. These sacred messengers, these tiny prophets, mother nature's heavy lifters transport this magic dust. We cannot live without them. Bees aren't the only couriers, of course, but they are crucial to this mind-bogglingly intricate puzzle we were all born into known as an ecosystem. And it is a puzzle. Wasps, the wind. Hummingbirds, hornets, it's breathtaking actually. How does it work so perfectly? How did it all come to be? What was before it and what was before even that? All these complex, veiled systems, simultaneously delicate and durable, evolved, still evolving. It is humbling. We should be humbled and yet not. We depend upon them and will wither without them. Humans have risen too quickly through the natural order, leaving a path of destruction in our lumbering, graceless wake. I don't believe in God, and the laboratory is hardly the place to discuss it, but the sheer existence of pollinators makes for a pretty strong argument for divinity. So why have we completely devastated it? Or how did we? And make no mistake, friends, we are the enemy. We are the terrorists. There is a great and terrible unfolding ahead. The pollinators are warning us. If the forest could scream out, it would, or it is, but we're not listening. Human systems will not hold. We are at odds with the natural world. And Mother Nature will prevail. In the natural world, the house always wins. (sighs) Okay, right. Life.
4: Back in the apartment later that afternoon, Paris is practicing a routine in the kitchen. Medea stirs slightly.
0: Medea, look, look what I'm doing! i got a new dance steps.
1: Look at my moves! Christ on this own job! Are you trying to kill me? Ooh, a gift! You have got
4: a gift. Carver enters, lugging stuff from the market.
1: Carver, tell your sister how good she is.
5: Good job, Pete. Way to go.
4: Devora backs into the apartment, carrying a crate.
0: Who are you? I'm Devora. What's your name? Pans France Washington. I'm eight, and I'm a dancer. Are you Carver's girlfriend? Yes! Because he really needs a girlfriend.
5: Sorry. Don't be rude, Paris.
0: It's not rude. I'm just asking a question. Miss Russell
3: from school says it's good to ask questions.
1: It's not rude, little girl. You're smarty, that's all.
3: I'm a friend of your brother, Paris. Mrs. Washington, I'm Deborah. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I've heard so much about you.
1: Have you now? Of course. Like what?
3: Uh, well, that you're such a wonderful grandmother, for one thing, with, with lots of... With Listen, so... Laura, I want to
5: bring this stuff up to the roof before <laughs> it gets too dark.
3: I really think there is so much wisdom that comes with age. Laura Okay, okay, it well, was, it was so nice to meet you both. Good luck with your dance in Paris. Maybe I can see you on stage someday. I bet you're great. I have my big recital tomorrow. You can see me.
0: Carver's coming.
3: You could be his
0: date. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll come then. You have to! Carver, you have to! Bring your girlfriend! Bye! (laughs) Great meeting! Carver has a girlfriend! Carver has a girlfriend! Carver has a girlfriend! Paris!
4: Carver and Devora, now on the rooftop, begin to unpack crates.
3: Your sister is adorable! What a face!
5: What a mouth! More like it!
3: What's the age difference?
5: 10 years.
3: I don't think your grandmother liked me. Uh,
5: she doesn't like anybody. Uh, just forget about it. Why? Why what?
3: Why doesn't she like anybody? I was so close with my Bubby. It's such a special bond a kid has with her grandmother.
5: Wait, that's what Bubby means? You, you were calling me a grandma before? Technically,
3: yes. But in that case, Bubby's like, like a catch-all term of endearment. But an actual Bubby, like my Bubby, she was the matriarch of the family. As far as she was concerned, I was the smartest, most perfect, most whatever person.
5: Well, my grandmother is definitely not a bubby.
3: Yeah, I've never met a bubby with a foghorn, that's for sure. I'd love to go to the recital, though. For real, it'd be fun.
5: If you want to, but I have to warn you, it's going to be pretty painful.
3: That seems a little harsh for a group of little kids and leotards.
5: Oh yeah? Last year, one straight up peed on stage during (laughs) the good show Oh, I shouldn't laugh, that's terrible. (laughs) No, no, it was funny. One kid peed, another started to cry, a couple others just ran off stage. But my sister, she just kept on dancing. Oh,
3: I love her.
5: (laughs) She worked so hard on that freaking routine, she'd be damned to let some peeing kid ruin it.
3: You know, if we could all use a little Paris in our lives.
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm definitely the only guy in the neighborhood who knows all the lyrics to a Shirley Temple song.
3: Did you hear that? Is that a bird? Is that, is that possible?
5: Yeah, I set up a feeder a while back. Didn't think any birds would come, but you know, the more life up here, the better. Worth a shot. I brought Paris up and I thought she was going to explode. Birdies are gonna have birdie babies! She was practically running around in circles and then she stopped cold and got real serious. She said, do you promise to protect them, Carver? Even if the Wicked Witch comes from The Wizard of Oz where the girl and the dog get blown away? I said, of course. I promise, especially if the Wicked Witch comes. I'll fight her with karate. (laughs) She laughed at that. She thinks karate is hilarious.
3: You're a good brother.
5: I'm trying, but she gets so intense like that sometimes. I don't know what to say. I wonder if she's not going to grow up right, you know, with, with the right influences.
3: She seems like a pretty tough little chickie, if you ask me.
5: (laughs) Oh, believe me, she can be willful. (laughs) When she digs those little heels in, there isn't anything or anyone that'll make her budge. And opinions, oh my word, about everything and everybody. She's the biggest little person I've ever met.
3: I got some stuff from the market for dinner. I was going to take it home, but do you want to have a picnic up here?
5: Um, What time is it?
3: 6.47.
5: Listen, I gotta help Medea later, so I'm not sure. What time? Depends, like 9.30 or 10 probably, whenever she wants to go to bed.
3: You help her in bed?
5: In and out, yeah, every day. She can't do it by herself. Her legs don't work.
3: But what happens when you're not here?
5: Doesn't happen. Hasn't ever happened. I'm always here.
3: But what'll happen when you want to move away? Like, what'll happen when you go to school?
5: I don't know, Deborah
3: tense. Well, you know, you've got like more than two hours until you have to go down and she'll foghorn if she needs something.
5: Yes, she definitely will.
3: Great. Okay, where is your table cover thing? Why? She uses a picnic blanket, brainier.
4: She pours them both something out of a mason jar.
5: Two perfect picnics. Two perfect picnics. What's that?
3: Kombucha. Oh.
5: <laughs>
3: I thought you'd be so into it. It
5: tastes like freaking vinegar. Okay, maybe I just wasn't expecting it. Nope, I was definitely expecting it that time.
3: Ugh. Acquired taste, I guess. I've got a thing of cider, you wanna try that instead?
5: Definitely, cider, I know. Now that is delicious. You want some cheese?
3: Is the Pope Polish? What? (laughs) Nothing, it's stupid. Yes, I I would love some.
5: No, seriously, what about the Pope?
3: Uh, okay, well, so, the Pope has always been Italian, right? But, I mean, there's been a sketchy German or two, but for the most Mm. part, Italian. Um, but in the 80s, the guy who became Pope was Polish, which is, like, a really big deal if, you know, you care about Popes. So is the pope Polish kind of like saying, do fish swim? See what I mean?
5: Kind of. I had never heard of that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's stupid. Total dad joke. (laughs) And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the sum total of what I know about Catholicism. Jews don't do popes.
2: What do you do then?
3: Me personally? Mm -hmm. Nothing. I don't do anything. But Jews with a capital J, like people who believe in it, in God or whatever, super turned off by popeness.
5: Because?
3: Um, well, literal popes? There have been some pretty nasty ones. But conceptual popeness? I think the power is too centralized. Jews don't have that like one main guy. <laughs> it is hands down the most disorganized, organized religion on the planet. Two Jews, three opinions.
5: So you don't do Jewish stuff then?
3: You mean like eat gefilte fish and obsessively count calories?
5: No, like, like, go to synagogue or whatever. Temple?
3: No. I mean, I might go to holiday services if my parents do some passive-aggressive Jewish guild kung fu thing on me, but no. It doesn't do it for me. Droning in a language I do not speak or understand. Praying to a god I do not believe in. No thank you, sir.
5: I don't believe in god either.
3: Well, duh. You're a science nerd. No offense.
5: None taken. I don't know how anybody does.
3: Well, people need their stories. But how Jews of all people believe in a God at this point is beyond me.
2: Because of the
5: Holocaust?
3: That was kind of a buzzkill for the Jews.
5: Was anyone in your family affected?
3: Sure. Um, Well, my grandparents on my mom's side, they escaped kind of on the last boat out. Actually, the last train out. Dad's parents got out earlier.
5: But what about everybody else? Like your grandmother's cousins or parents or whatever?
3: Nope. No? Not a one. I'm sorry. Well, you didn't do it.
5: No, I just mean on behalf of the world.
3: You're so menschy. (laughs) You know, I always thought there should be an international I'm sorry day. Like, a day where everybody apologizes. Not for something they did personally, maybe, or or probably, but like, on behalf of the world. Like, like, Yom Kippur for everybody.
5: It's a good idea.
3: I don't feel like anybody's done that.
5: No one has done that. Oof!
3: I do not know how I got off on that. Hand me some more of that cheese. Now, this is how I practice Judaism. Do you know we have an entire holiday devoted to cheesecake?
5: I did not know that. (laughs) Sounds like a great religion. (laughs) Here.
3: Have you ever heard of radical amazement?
5: I don't think so. sounds kind of redundant.
3: (laughs) Ha! I never thought of that. Yeah, you're right. Um, Radical amazement is... (laughs) The incredible quality of the light right now. I mean, look at it. It's how delicious this cheese is. It's how unbelievably complex the process of making bread is. I mean, who figured that out? It's a miracle. And how great it tastes. It's your bees, Carver. It's the honey they make it's the miraculously perfect cells of honeycomb they build without even thinking about it it's the incredible harmony found in a living hive i'm gonna kiss you okay
5: okay
4: The apartment is dark except for what little illumination is cast off by the television. Medeer sits in her usual position. Carver enters quietly. He stands, watching Medeer.
1: Well, you just gonna stand there looking at me?
5: How did you know I was standing here?
1: Special old person voodoo. Don't you think you can get away with nothing? I can always see.
5: Are you ready for bed?
1: watching an old picture imitation of life I'm going to I remember up. when it came out thing Sandra D lantern. story about a girl who passed
5: passes what
1: passes for white <laughs>
5: Something she ain't
1: she's fair skinned it's beat up by a guy she was going with lying about who she was
5: Right, I'm going And back. then
1: she runs away. Leaves her family. A sick mother.
5: Lies, lies, lies. But
1: trouble always finds her. you understand?
5: I don't know what the hell you're talking about.
1: Where have you been? What? I said, where have you been?
5: You know where I've been. Upstairs.
1: Doing what?
5: Putting stuff away. Taking care of stuff.
1: It was a long time to be putting stuff away. Watering your little plants. Talking to your little bugs. Yes. You weren't up there doing you know what with your little girlfriend. What? Your little land attorney. No, no, none of <laughs> your business. Me now, I know. Up there with your girlfriend.
5: She is not my girlfriend.
1: She sure looks sweet on you.
5: I'm not talking to you about this. this. is
1: what I heard such nice things about you. <laughs>
5: Well, then you know it was a lie.
1: Is this what you're going to do with your life? Get some snotty little white girl to help you look down on the world? Pretend you're something you're not? I'm going. Leave your family to be some other person. Run away. Why well, are you doing that?
5: I'm not be- trying to be something I'm not. I'm trying to be myself.
1: Don't be fooled, John. I know you think you're better, and you might be. I know you think you can leave your family, and you can. You think you can pass, maybe. For a little while you will, but I promise. Someone will always remind you where you're from. You can leave, but they'll never let you forget your place. You understand me?
5: No, I absolutely do not understand you. Here you. you
1: go, big science.
4: Madeer pulls out an envelope tucked in her chair and throws it on the floor.
5: What is that?
1: I don't need you, Carver. Made my way before you and I'll damn well make my way after. I gave you a home, don't you ever
5: forget it. Congratulations. On behalf of the faculty and staff of Washburn University, it is with great pleasure that I inform you of your admission to Washburn as a member of the class of 2020.
4: morning of Paris's recital. The house is in pre-recital flurry mode.
1: Ow!
0: You're pulling my hair so hard!
1: You're gonna be jumping all over that stage like a crazy person. You don't want your hair getting in your face. Paris, have you brushed your teeth?
0: Yes. Ow! My brain hurts!
5: Your brain is fine. Shush. <laughs> Do you have your backpack all packed?
0: I did it last night.
5: And you've got your ballet shoes? Yes. An extra ribbons or whatever?
0: Yes, 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 I am ready!
5: Okay, we're gonna leave here at 4.30, okay? that'll give us extra time to make our way there, just in case. Is your girlfriend coming? There is, I swear to God, Deborah is not my girlfriend. She's beautiful, like a
0: princess.
5: Well, I'm sure she'd be flattered to hear that. I've got some choice to do upstairs. When I'm done, we're gonna go. Come here, little girl, I wanna talk to you.
0: Whatever it was. It's Carver's fault. I'm just
1: too. <laughs> no, no, it's nothing like that. Nobody's in trouble. Come in.
0: Okay. I but... said, come
1: in. You see how your brother takes care? Asking about your tights, wanting you to eat good? I guess. No, it's not, I guess. Don't be fresh.
0: Sorry. Wasn't trying to be.
1: That's okay. What I'm trying to say is. Your brother cares for you, Paris. Looks after you all the time. He always will. That's a lucky thing to have. Okay. He looks after both of us. Now don't you go telling him I said so. I won't. Okay. Now look at me. I'm very proud of you, Paris. Your mama gave you that name because you're all light, all love. And we're proud of Carver, too. He's hard for us to understand, but we love him anyhow. So be good to him. Promise? Promise. Okay, good. Tonight, you just be you, little girl. There's only one Paris France Washington, and the world shines brighter because you're in it.
4: Back on the roof, Carver slowly paces.
5: So, what is it then? If people woke up tomorrow morning and started to care about our rapidly decreasing bee population, what would we tell them? I wish the answer was simple. Today, I would like to outline for you my hypothesis. There are three main culprits, I think. The first is pesticides. We're simply poisoning them. By we, I don't mean you and me, necessarily. By we, I mean denizens of planet Earth farmers and factories and everyone in between. It's what's pumped into our air and dumped into our rivers. Now, it would be quite easy to blame these people, the farmers, the factories, who so often do our dirty work as the enemy, but I'm afraid to say that's just intellectually lazy. Put it another way, can we really protest oil companies? Their actions are reckless and questionable, but at the end of the day, if we're really being honest, Can we extricate ourselves from this system we all depend upon? I won't bother you with the ominously long and complicated names of toxins we coat our crops with, which, by the way, we end gobbling up. But the bees are eating it first and getting very sick. Why do we use pesticides? Because we're evil? Well, we homo sapiens in our excitement and exuberance jumped onto that hamster wheel called the agricultural revolution about 10,000 years ago or so, and have had trouble jumping off ever since. More food, more offspring, more offspring, and we need more food. Do we blame ourselves for wanting to create steady and consistent food sources for an ever-growing population? Is it wrong to want to be slightly less at the mercy of mother nature? Of course not. The second perpetrator, monoculture. This is when you grow a single crop like, say, corn. Monoculture takes our already compromised agricultural system and further perverts it with capitalism. Bees are big business in America. In Europe, the honey is the valuable product. But in America, we put the actual bees to work. We're force-pollinating them. What would happen if you ate only oranges for a month? Or almonds? That's what the bees are doing. They're boxed up and trucked great distances to do our heavy lifting. Far more than nature intended or could do on its own, and once we force fed them in Florida on orange blossoms, they go back in the truck and make their way across country. Once they arrive in California, it's time to binge of almond flowers. What kind of life is this? Wouldn't you be sick? Then third, the most disempowering, the elephant in the room, The world is on fire. Bees can't take the heat. When the weather shifts, so do plants and flowers, obviously. If plants and flowers bloom earlier, a very delicate timing between pollinators and those things to be pollinated is disrupted.
4: Paris peeks out from the door.
5: The truth is, folks, bees are just the canary in the coal mine. Mother Nature is sounding a final warning. Do not mess with me. So I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news, we are inexorably connected. The bad news, we are inexorably connected. What's killing the bees is killing us too. How long have you been sitting there?
0: Not long. I wasn't snooping.
5: I know. You ready? Are you sad, Carver? What? No. I'm excited for your recital.
0: Don't tell anyone, but I'm kind of scared. I've never had my own solo before.
5: That's okay. Totally normal. Everybody gets a little scared sometimes.
0: Do you? Sure. About what?
5: Grown up stuff.
0: Like your bees being sick? Yep. I think it's going to be okay.
5: Oh, yeah? Based on all your scientific research.
0: No. Because of God.
5: And what's God gonna do?
0: I don't know, he's God, not me. But he's watching over all of us.
5: Okay. Are you ready to do this thing? I think so. Well, that's not very excited. Scream it like you mean it. Are you ready to do this thing?
4: Paris's dance recital. A spotlight comes up on Paris in her B ballerina costume. She stands proudly in her opening pose, chin high. She is poised. She is ready. She takes flight. Thank uh-huh. you. Later that night, Carver emerges from the door, holding his lantern. His rooftop is completely destroyed. Faggot has been spray-painted on the wall. He stands motionless and begins to cry. Dusk, the rooftop. Carver sweeps. Devorah emerges from below.
3: Fuck! Oh, my God, Carver, what happened? Carver, are you hurt? No. Jesus Christ, what happened?
5: What does it look like happened?
3: Who did this? No clue. Have you called the police? And
5: say what? Hello, operator, some punk ass motherfuckers on my block came upstairs and killed my bees.
3: Yes, that is exactly what you say. Maybe leave out the motherfucker part. Trust me,
5: Deborah. the cops don't care.
3: It's their job to care. It's a
5: different set of rules, Devorah, seriously. It's one thing to be from here, like born here. To be me, that's, that's one set of rules. It's another thing, no offense, to be from Scarsdale or whatever, move here, and play the great white hippie Hope Avenger. You know that. You have to.
3: Are you angry at me?
5: I'm not angry at you.
3: I'm serious.
5: I know you are. You're really earnest, you know that? It'd be annoying, except I know you really mean it.
3: I grew up in Scarsdale, okay? I have no idea what it means to be harassed because of the color of my skin. I didn't ask to be born into it. I think I probably would have been happier if I hadn't, but I'm trying to teach myself, Carver. I'm, I'm trying to learn what I wasn't taught. I'm trying to unlearn what I was taught. I'm trying to be a better person. Can I ask you a personal question? You can say no.
5: Sure, go ahead.
3: Where are your parents? Sorry, I I shouldn't have asked. That was way over the line. No, it's
5: okay. Just wasn't expecting it. Why?
3: It's just this is all, it's so much to do alone, Harvard. Your sister, your grandma, your bees. You are, are so smart and capable, and you take care of everybody, but like all I can think is, who's taking care of you? That's <coughs> why I asked. Hmm. But you don't have to answer.
5: No, Sorry. it's a good question. I don't know.
3: You don't know, like?
5: Like, I don't know. My biological father, never in the picture really. And your mom? She died when I was 12, she had this neurological thing.
3: I'm so sorry.
5: Her immune system kinda like turned on her. Happened quickly, like one day, she was having a little trouble on the stairs. The next day she couldn't even get out of bed. Or at least that's what I remember. Paris doesn't remember her at all.
3: And your grandma took you in.
5: And my grandma took me in.
3: What was her name?
5: My mom? Zara. (laughs) Weird to say it out loud.
3: She would be so proud of you.
5: (laughs) She was my biggest fan. She got me my first beekeeper suit, you know. (laughs) It was more like a Halloween costume, (sighs) but. What the hell am I gonna tell Paris? I'm the protector. I'm supposed to know fucking karate and kick all the bad guys' asses.
3: Does your grandma know?
5: No. I'm not telling her anything.
3: Do you know that my name means be? Yeah, in Hebrew. Uh, In the Bible, Deborah was um, a judge or a priestess. A priestess judge, I don't really remember.
5: Okay, and and what's that have to do with bees?
3: No clue. 12 years of Jewish day school, you'd think I'd have more to show for it. Where does Carver come from?
5: George Washington Carver.
3: Uh, the, the peanut guy? No,
5: I mean, yes, he was a scientist, and nobody seems to know this, but he basically single-handedly saved agriculture in the South. Cotton depletes soil, you know, and He advocated for planting other things to restore, like peanuts and other legumes. He invented the modern idea of crop rotation. Somehow, though, he's known as the guy who invented peanut butter, which he did not. I gotta go in. I'll catch you later.
3: Maybe I'll stay a little and help.
5: If you want, but uh, you don't have to. I want to.
4: Devorah picks up the broom as he exits. Long past midnight, the door creaks open slowly. Medeer, in her housecoat, holds a flashlight and a cane. The beam of light moves slowly across the roof, passing the graffiti, settling finally on the trash heap. Have mercy! Carver enters, holding his lantern.
5: Hello? Who's there? How the hell are you up here? Well... Well, what? Who brought you up here? Nobody. Nobody? You can hardly get out of bed by yourself. You can't do the stairs.
1: Carver, calm down.
5: Calm down? All of a sudden, you're up here standing by yourself, and I'm supposed to be calm? How are your legs working? I am sick, Carver. I know you are. But I can walk some. What do you mean you can walk some?
1: Just as I said.
5: You've been lying? All this time? I release you, Kyle. You release me? What are you saying? My whole life has revolved around a lie. Your lie. And you wanna to talk to me about past. You wanna to talk to me about lies, lies, lies. No! In and out of bed every day. Making sure you're okay. You taking know. all your meanness, sucking it up. Afraid to go out in case something happens. I'm sorry! You're sorry. You're fucking crazy as what you're Don't like. curse her! Don't curse. That's what you say to me.
1: I was wrong to lie to you. It's wrong to keep you. So I release Stop you!
5: Stop saying that!
1: I see now. You have to go.
5: Yeah. You're absolutely right. I have to go. You can get downstairs by yourself.
4: Morning. Paris sleeps on the couch.
1: Carver! Hold on!
0: Carver, where'd you go?
5: Coming! Carver, right now! What is it, little girl? I want to check on my birdies right now. Hold up. Let's have some
0: breakfast. No! I don't want breakfast! I want my birdies! I had a bad dream about them last night,
5: my dear. Paris, come on!
0: Birdies! Birdies! Birdies!
5: Paris, please, chill!
0: I'm afraid for my birdies!
5: (sighs) Okay. We just can't go up right now. End of story.
0: Then I'm going by myself. I've decided I'm going. Stop!
5: I can't because... Paris, just please sit down for just a second. I'll tell you the truth. Come back, little girl. Listen to your brother.
0: Okay. What?
5: Your birdies went on vacation.
0: Birdies don't
5: go on vacation. Of course they do. Remember how we were on the roof once and we saw those birds flying over us in a perfect bee? And, and I told you they were going to Florida for the winter time, they were migrating. Remember that word, migrate. it's
1: not
5: winter. True, but people, do they vacation all in winter? No. Well, there you go.
0: How did the birdies carry the baby birdie
1: eggs on vacations?
5: Very carefully, on their backs. They strap them right on.
1: The- <sighs> Who's that ringing at seven in the damn
0: morning? Maybe my birdies came home early. They missed me.
5: Who is it?
0: Barbara. It's your girlfriend, Carver. It's Carver's girlfriend. I'm gonna put on my new fancy coffee for your girlfriend, Carver.
5: <laughs> She's not. Never mind. Carver, forgive your old dear, please. What do you want me to say? Here I've been worrying constantly about how I can take care of you and Paris, maybe have my own life. And then actually, that's not true at all.
1: A lot of people have gone, Carver.
5: Okay, but I didn't. I wouldn't, I haven't. But I'm going to go to this school. I want to go to college. I want to study bees for real. It's not a joke. I want to learn. I want to explore. I want my own life.
1: I know I don't say it, but I'm proud of the young man you've become, Carver. Good morning, Washington. I hope it's not too early.
3: Actually, I know it's a little bit early, but I was so excited to come over. Can I come in?
5: You already
1: are in.
5: Hey, Deborah, not too early. Everybody's up. It's fine.
3: Where's your sister?
5: Uh, She's in the bathroom, putting on her new dance outfit for you.
3: Okay, I'll wait.
5: Wait for what?
3: Well, it's a surprise for her. Well, actually, it's for everybody, but it's for her. So, Mrs. Washington, we really haven't had a chance to talk. I would love to know more about your history. Like, are you from the Bronx originally?
1: Come. <laughs> I just got real tired all of a sudden. What? Take me back to my room. Y- you just got up. Take... Me
5: back. Sorry, Deborah. I'll be right back.
4: Paris jetes into the room.
5: Where'd everybody go? I got new moves.
3: Well, your grandma went to take a nap, and your brother will be right back. In the morning time? Well, uh, maybe she was tired, didn't have a good night's sleep. Sometimes I go back to sleep like that, too.
5: Sorry about that. Uh, so, Rude, you were in the middle of talking?
3: No, it's my fault. I shouldn't have come so early.
4: Paris suddenly spots the crate.
0: Hi, birdies! What? I knew they'd miss me
3: too much. I've got to go tell Medea. She's going to be so happy. Medea! How? It's it's crazy, Carver. So I stayed up on the roof after you left to help clean up, and and I thought I heard some chirping, and I was like, what? Am I tripping? No way. So I I couldn't see anything on the roof because it was just covered in shit and high boxes. But I I followed the sound. I I got down on my knees and they were in one of the hives. It was so surreal looking. Medea, wake up. Carver,
0: Medea won't stop pretending to be asleep. It's not funny anymore.
4: Carver stands in his beekeeper
5: suit. Aristides, Greek for best. He was a pretty minor character in mythology, really. God of beekeeping. Lots of things, actually. Healing, herbal medicine, cheese making. Kind of a catch-all God. His dad was Apollo, who everybody knows. His mom was a huntress named Serene. You don't need to write that down. One day, Aristeas came across a beautiful woman dancing with nymphs in the forest named Eurydice. One look at her, and Aristeas fell in love. He watched her gracefully move from afar, mesmerized. She joyfully danced and danced through the forest until mistakenly, tragically, she stepped upon a serpent. The bite killed her instantly. The nymphs who rushed to save her spotted the horrified Aristeas who had seen it all. He must be to blame for our mistress' death, they thought. As revenge, the wrathful nymphs found the thing he loved most of all, his bees, and destroyed them. Aristeas was devastated. Heartbroken, he went to the oracle, that's what you did in those days, and asked for help. The oracle told him to bring a sacrifice, a bowl to the altar and slaughter it. His bees would then return, the oracle said. So he did it, and nothing, no bees. He returned to the great oracle who told him to wait, have patience, dejected, he left again. And he waited and waited. And finally, when he could wait no longer, he returned to the empty altar to find a disgusting, rotted carcass. No beads. How stupid he'd been to believe it work. He cried out to the skies and to the gods and fell to the ground. So much death surrounded him. So much destruction. So much brokenness. It was from that ground that he first heard it. Faint buzzing. It couldn't be, he thought. He searched and searched the altar desperately, wildly, and and then he spotted them. He couldn't believe his eyes, bees. They had made a hole in the carcass. The oracle had been right. From the loss of one came a thousand. From death sprang new life, from collapse a new hive was born.
2: That was the Bee Play, by Elizabeth Savage. Thank you to Rebecca Scalett, Sarah Whitney, the New Jewish Theater, and the cast of the Bee Play. Radio Play Revival is conceived and directed by Josh Johnston. This episode was edited by Ryan Schleifman. Theme music by Joseph Falcon. The production assistant was Zoe Cameron. Executive producers are Patty Lapone and Stacey Levine. I'm Sam Chuchelis. Until we meet again, good night and good health.